Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. If you've ever done one of those, you know they become like all-inclusive and you can spend most of your week over there every week and it just destroys the conveyor belt that is the aggregation process. So they really opt out of what might be some great individual deals. Best ever listeners, I'm so excited to share today's sponsor with you. It's Eastern Union Funding and Arbor Realty Trust. If you're in the multifamily space, you likely recognize these names, but have you used them? Uh, I'm guessing if you haven't, then you probably know someone who has. I can tell you personally, we have used uh, Mark Belsky. He is a point person at Eastern Union Funding as a partner with us, and he has helped us secure debt uh, for actually a deal we closed on this month. And we've worked with him. Um, in addition, my clients, my program, my consulting program have worked with him to successfully close on deals. Uh, when we were starting out, Ashcroft was starting out, we had somewhat of a track record. But we weren't fully as established with our investor network. I went to him and we secured some equity, $500,000 in equity to fund one of our deals. While he works with more institutional partners, you know, he's brought $200 million in equity over the last 12 months. He was able to help us out there and we built a relationship with him and Eastern Union Funding ever since. So if you need equity for your deal and you have a track record, then he's your point person. His number is 212-897-9875. If you need debt, then he partners up with Arbor on a lot of transactions. So if you're a multifamily borrower who wants agency or bridge debt, then that's the team to work with. Uh, we have worked with their team, both Eastern Union and Arbor, on deals and people who have purchased our deals, purchased deals from us, have used Arbor, as well as my clients in my consulting program, they've used it. So this is a recommendation that comes from firsthand experience. And the last thing I'll say about uh, working with Mark Belsky at Eastern Union is that if you need a loan guarantor, but don't have that track record quite yet, then Mark can look at what you've the deal you've got and assuming it checks out, he can make introductions to people he knows as potential loan guarantors for your deal. So debt, equity, and potentially loan guarantors. Uh, all you need, well, you need to find a deal, obviously. Um, but besides that, you know, the other main components of the deal they can help you out with. So talk to Mark Belsky. His email is mbelsky at 
eastereq.com and his phone number 212-897-9875. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Dave Diaz, how you doing, Dave? Fantastic. Thanks, Joe. Well, I'm glad to hear that, and welcome to the show. A little bit about Dave. He is the co-founder and head of operations for Great Jones, which is a property management startup. He's an expert in property management. He has bought, renovated, leased, and managed over 10,000 homes based in Fort Myers, Florida. With that being said, Dave, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, sure. So I was very fortunate to come out of the institutional world of high finance and land in the mortgage crisis as one of the largest auction buyers in the West Coast of Florida. We had just enough money contacts to go really big in flipping and then got swept up in the institutional aggregation of single family homes. So these big Wall Street groups, publicly traded companies that bought tens of thousands of houses after the mortgage crisis. And that gave us a really good on the ground, but also high level experience in buying, renovating, leasing, and managing thousands upon thousands of homes for really big money investors, but never forgot where we started with our own IRAs and other people's money, one, two deals at a time. What's your focus now? Great Jones is a tech-enabled property management company. We could go into detail there. I'll leave that up to you. But the reality is we have property management and the execution of the income property investment is not the same as buying a public security. People forget that when you buy a stock, you're buying the leadership of the company as well, but they take that for granted. When you buy income property, unless you're self-managing, you're buying the execution of the person you hire to do that as well. And having done it with P&L responsibility for hundreds of millions of dollars worth of homes, we know it can be done better, more efficiently, and just differently than the industry status quo which currently exists to put more money in the manager's pocket than the owner's if things are left to chance. Yeah, let's definitely dive into that. One follow-up question about what you said earlier, and then we'll get into how you bring that value proposition to life with what you just said. The big money investors, so the Wall Street groups that were doing all those renovations or that were buying the properties and you all were managing and doing the renovations for, what is the difference in the metrics that they look at compared to a private individual that has a portfolio of, say, five to 10 homes with you all? That is a great question. So they're going to view a basket of homes very similarly to the way an apartment operator would view hundreds of units. So they're talking about global occupancy metrics, rent increase down to the 10th of a basis point type thing. They're really granular because these numbers are spread across so many homes that the percentages become more important than the outcome of any specific asset. Whereas if we've got five houses and we take a big hit on something, it's material. To them, it's a rounding error. At the same time, I think they can be a bit penny-wise and pound-foolish on the way in which they approach these things. Most of their decisions are built towards scale. So even if something's an amazing investment decision that we would all agree we should do on this one property, they don't typically have the bandwidth to administrate things that don't follow the conveyor belt smoothly. So sometimes they have to opt out of really good deals that we would all love to have. So examples of that might be buying a home that is older than their age limitations. A lot of the Wall Street firms won't buy older than 1990. 
some are even 2000 plus now in terms of age. And most of them have CapEx or uh, initial improvement cost limits that might be in the twenty dollars to $25,000 range. Whereas if we bought a really hairy asset, that might actually be the one that has the most built-in equity when we're done improving it as an individual investor. They won't touch that. And the logic is sound. They've got an employee they're trying to get to manage 25 rehabs a month. If they give them one 100K project, if you've ever done one of those, you know they become like all-inclusive and you can spend most of your week over there every week. And it just destroys the conveyor belt that is the aggregation process. So they really opt out of what might be some great individual deals. And conversely, from the private side, the investor who has five to 10 what are some things that you've seen the larger institutions do that you think that investor could learn a thing or two from? So they do pay attention to broader metrics. I don't get asked very sophisticated questions by most individual owners. So it's interesting. Somebody will ask, am I occupied? Like they've got one house, right? To them, it's binary. It's either yes or no. It's 100 or zero. They don't really care that the market's 98.5% occupied. They logically only care that they're empty. But at the same time, if you're empty and the market's 98.5% occupied, you've got to ask yourself, why? Why am I the outlier? So that's one. The other thing is they just standardize so much better. So one of the things I learned early on, even in my own investments, and especially doing it for other people, was wherever possible and where rational, I standardize. Same flooring, same paint colors. Same paint substrate, so you know it's it's this brand, this finish, this level. That way, if I have to go back in and touch up three years from now, I'm not repainting the whole property. You'd just be surprised how many people do one-off things that aren't repeatable, and they spend a lot of money downstream on that item again. Like, okay, now it's a full repaint because I have no idea what's on the wall. Even if I think I know what the color was, I can't remember exactly what brand and finish, and that doesn't go well when you try to touch up that paint with something that's slightly different. So that would be a big one. They standardize. At the same time, I would say do it where logical. If I can get a great deal on discount tile and I only need enough for one house, probably not a big deal if I keep an extra case in case something breaks. But my paint, I'm super specific about because I know that's going to go back into every house. Now, talking about Great Jones and the opportunity you saw in the marketplace which led you to co-found the company. So what is it exactly that you all do for real estate investors who pay for your company services? We are third-party property managers. Our mission is to democratize Wall Street-level performance for Main Street investors. So someone that has three houses with us, the investor from Ohio that's got three properties with me in Southwest Florida, they're paying the same price as a Wall Street level firm for an air conditioner. A guy who buys 10,000 air conditioners a year, I'm now giving the same price to on that equipment to this individual investor. We've essentially taken all the barriers down. You don't have to own billions of dollars in real estate to get the same pricing. I think there's a couple of important trends that your listeners would want to know about given the state of the property management industry. If you'll indulge me for a second, this is not a push on our product as we don't manage most of the country, but I think it's things that people just don't know. The industry is basically all utilizing six out-of-the-box platforms, things like Propertyware, Property Boss, Appfolio, Buildium, you know the names. Those softwares have, over the last several years, 
more and more focus their revenue streams on taking the ancillary revenue that managers used to enjoy, things like online rent payments, application fee premiums, those types of, we would call them junk fees, but they were gimme fees, are now going to the provider, not the manager. So where Propertyware used to let you charge you 50 cents for an ACH transaction when a tenant paid, and you might charge four bucks, and you could pay for your really nice car with those transactions, now they charge $5 and they get all five. I think it's $4.95 for them to process an ACH, okay? What that's done to the management industry is it's forced the managers to go deeper and deeper into the owner's pockets to collect additional revenue. So jet fuel prices going up on the airlines, all of a sudden now you're paying for luggage fees and a drink costs twice as much and all that stuff. So it's created a junk fee fueled industry where there's just a ton of misalignment. So I was spending my weekend managing X thousands of homes and I've got my buddies with 20 houses in Fort Myers calling me and saying, Hey, I've got a air conditioning quote for some obscene number from somebody managing a lot of homes. And I'm texting them one phone number to call to get it for half. And I realized like, man, this is inexcusable. These people should know better. If you're managing a certain volume of home, you either should know better or you do know better and you're pocketing the difference. I don't care why, it's just inexcusable. And that's where Great Jones was born. We said, hey, this could be a much better experience for the investor if we align our interests, meaning I'm not having a good day making a thousand bucks on an air conditioner when you're having a bad day having to buy one. And if we create transparency by not having any junk fees and just posting everything that we're doing in real time with actual receipts and stated pricing, So uh, it's a challenging industry. The other piece that we're seeing now is people are starting to take this out on the resident if they're not going directly after the owner. A lot of owners are not aware that they're taking out their quest for junk fees on the resident, which is really troubling. So again, to me, it's a misalignment. I saw a lease the other day where a third of the security deposit was a non-refundable administration fee to the manager. I guarantee the owner had no idea that of their $1,200 deposit, 400 of it, was a fee to the manager if it ever had to be exercised. So they're sitting there thinking, hey, I've got a month's rent. This is all hunky-dory. And really? No, you've got two-thirds of a month's rent. In the same lease, there was a huge maintenance call charge. Every time the resident picked up the phone to report maintenance, they got charged 50 bucks for the phone call. Now, if you get four months before move out and you've got a shower that's leaking just a little bit, but it's not really bugging you, are you going to pay 50 bucks to report it? Remember, a good chunk of your security deposit is non-refundable already. Or are you just going to say, forget it, man. I'm going to let this thing leak. And when the owner pays 2000 bucks or some obscene number to replace a shower that could have been done for 900 they don't know the motivations and the contractual misalignment that led them to that place. Like, you didn't have to have a rotted shower. But because they wanted to charge them to tell you about it, and because their deposit was mostly forfeit, you've landed here. You mentioned that you all have stated pricing. So what is the pricing for how you make money? Our fees are super transparent, and I hope the industry goes this way for the sake of owners. We are a straight percentage of rents collected, no markups, no junk fees ever. So we're super easy. You're paying X percent, and that is it. No advance or buts. You will not see another fee. And we're not taking it out on the resident either. The only time we ever charge the resident anything is if they actually force us to incur a hard cost on their behalf. So we just think there's a place in here to be the good guys and to make up the junk fees via scale. A typical residential property manager has something like 50 units 
per full-time employee. So if you think about them paying that person fifty or $60,000 a year on average, their base fees are wiped out by the cost of staff. Mm-hmm. Whereas we can, through technology and through our past operating experience, improve on that employee-to-home ratio significantly while not sacrificing service to the owner or the resident. If anything, things are actually cheaper, better, faster because we're leveraging the technology to ensure that things are done and done efficiently. The other thing is our maintenance and things like that. We don't do self-performed maintenance. We're not misaligned in that way. I'm never billing people for my time. But if you say, Dave, what's a three and a half ton horizontal install HVAC with a heat pump, not a heat strip. Like I have that on a spreadsheet. Like that is a number that is not, Oh, let me get four bids. That's, this is going to be X dollars and Y cents. And that's it. No if, ands or buts. And usually that price for us is going to be the same as a Wall Street firm, if not slightly less. I don't tell anybody, but we pay less than most of the Wall Street firms for this stuff because we pay faster. So same vendor, but my payment terms are twice as fast. So I actually get things cheaper than the guys with 80,000 homes. Ah, that's good just to get the best pricing, pay a lot faster. In terms of the percent of rents collected, does that percent change based on the number of properties that you manage for that owner? It does. So you should be looking for a reasonable hybrid and also it would depend on the area, right? Like a percent of rent for Northern California where the average rent might be 25 or $2,800 is going to be different than an area where the average rent is $900, sure. right? At the end of the yep. day, there's a hard cost to administrating the time for those properties. So yeah, volume matters, volume with the owner matters and average rent in the area is important as well. We also have a price cap where no owner ever pays more than $149 a month per property. So somebody with a $6,000 a month property is capped out on that fee because we just thought it was fair. There's no reason that somebody with a penthouse, was it really worth $600 to collect a rent check? I wish, like that would be (laughs) fantastic for me. We felt like it was fundamentally unfair and we just weren't going to do that to our customers. And what's the lowest amount that you collect on a property? Our typical fees, and I think this is well in line with national averages, are between 8 and 10%. And again, it depends on the area and the home price. What I think is important is I've had several owners, and this is just so hard for somebody who's not in the business to do, but I've had owners come to me with 5% contracts. And by the time we got to page four of reading the contracts, we realized they were paying something closer to an effective 20% with added inspection fees and maintenance markup fees. And, oh, you called me. I have to go to your house. That's another $100 fee. And again, it kind of comes back to this, like whatever you're paying, the industry is trending towards this. Your base fees are a gimme. And every time I do something, I intend to then charge you for doing it. And we just felt like that was fundamentally wrong. In that case, your base fee should be zero. In another world, we didn't feel like it was the right way to do it, but you could argue that the whole industry should be a la carte and you should only get paid when you do something. We thought that would misalign. I didn't want anybody saying, hey, you made up stuff to do so you could bill me. So we went the other way and we said, look, it's all in one number. And we think it's an incredibly fair number. If we actually go toe to toe, I think it's half of what most people are paying, regardless of their contract terms, when they add it all up. In terms of the bulk pricing, you mentioned, I wrote bulk pricing. I don't believe you said that. You just said you get better pricing on, say, AC units and other things. I wrote down bulk. But one of the variables is based on the speed in which you pay the vendor whatever their prices, does that mean that the owner has to pay that lightning quick or do you pay and then the owner pays you back out of the rent or some other method? A couple things. When I look at vendors, I look at three things. I look 
the size or type. So you're going to find basically three levels of this. The guys who are on the radio, meaning you're paying for advertising, you're paying for a salesperson. The person who shows up to your house to quote the air conditioner is not an HVAC tech. They're a paid salesperson getting a percentage of what they sell. And then there's this building somewhere with 10 accountants and the overhead associated with that. Like that's your super premium. I'm not knocking the guys at all, but it'd be the guys you'd hear on the radio that are like owned by private equity companies and are national providers of these things. Then your Benjamin Franklin plumbing is your one hour air conditioning. Again, these are great retail firms. I'm sure they do a fantastic job, but that wouldn't be my choice as an insider. Okay. You're paying three people to get to the actual technician. We are looking at the layer where our typical vendor is going to have three to five vans, a family member doing their accounting. And when you Google their office address, it's a house with three vans parked on the side. They're licensed and insured, but your overhead is zero. The person running that is in one of those vans. That's, to me, the cheapest licensed, qualified human that you're going to get to do the work and do it well. And then there's a layer below that. I have people who are like, no, I just pick a guy up at Home Depot. And it's like, look, you can do that, but if they flood your house by hitting a pipe with something, who are you suing? That, to me, is unsustainable, unscalable. Yep. And I wouldn't do that to anybody if your father-in-law wants to paint your house for 200 bucks, God bless him and let him do it. But I can't do that repeatedly. So we find this happy middle ground. So first, you know, the type, then you've got to understand the part and labor cost. If ever in doubt, if you have no idea what you're talking about, I'm really giving away my best secret here because I was a finance MBA. I did not grow up. I grew up poor, but I didn't grow up on a roof with my dad or anything cool like that. I wish I could say I, I knew all this stuff when I started this. I just didn't. What I was really good at was adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing. I was on the math team, but I stopped at geometry. So I was a nerd, but a, a dumb nerd, if that made sense. <laughs> so I would sit there and ask open-ended questions like, how did you get to that cost? There's only two components, labor and material. Material, somebody will quote, oh, this is a, a 0.152 millimeter flux capacitor. They're building a time machine. Okay, I Google it while they're talking, and I find it on HD Supply for $7, and they're trying to charge me 200 for it. And then I say, well, okay, you got a flux capacitor or whatever you're trying to sell me. How long does that take you about to install? Oh, seven hours. Really? Because my resident said you were there for 15 minutes looking at this and you put in the part. So, and then what are you really an hour? What's a fair price for that trade? And you just build the price back that way. With Amazon and Google, you can find darn near anything now instantly on the internet. You're not searching through some trade journal. Okay, you're going to be there for two hours. Fine. Let's just say that's the actual number. Somebody's not lying to you. You can basically build a reasonable cost. Fine. You're an electrician. I'll give you 100 bucks an hour. I know what the part costs. I'll give you the part cost plus 20%. You've now gotten a retail quote of $700 down to 250 I had a guy in Chicago. I'd never laid foot in the city of Chicago. I had a guy try to charge me 7000 bucks for a sewer lateral. This is a pipe that runs <laughs> from the house to the street, right? In, in Fort Myers, I'm paying 1300 bucks for okay. the same thing, right? His excuse was, the hole's deeper and we use more gravel. Okay, so you're digging eight feet instead of five with the same backhoe, mind you. So I looked up the backhoe. The cost difference to rent the backhoe is $20 for the one with the longer boom. Okay, <laughs> And then I'm like, so gravel here is 300 bucks a truck. How much gravel are you using? I'm still trying to get to the extra 6000 bucks if you just help me here. And he ran out of steam at like $2,200. I was like, fine, I'll give you $2,200 because it's Chicago, you know, but everybody's got to pay the mob or whatever they have to do to do business. But like, we're not paying seven. Like that's insanity. What'd he say? 
he hung up on me, but I called three more guys and somebody did it for my price. And that's the other thing. You're not crazy. I think people will tell you're crazy. When I landed on the ground in Indianapolis for one of my roles, I didn't know a soul there. I had literally 29 air conditioning guys tell me my numbers were fake. Like I didn't know what a Goodman cost from Goodman, even though I had a price sheet in my hand. And the quote, we teach our contractors to make money here and nobody will ever do it for that price. You know what? The 30th guy said yes. And then he introduced me to the plumber and to the electrician and to all the other guys that work in that ecosystem of licensed, wonderful humans, help them build their businesses. These guys have great lives because of the volume of work companies like ours can give them. But there's an ecosystem of that. There's an ecosystem of super premium retailers and there's an ecosystem of wholesalers. Just like if you think about retail, there's a Nordstrom and there's a wholesale guy with the stuff that fall off the back of a truck, right? Like where are you shopping for your items? This is great stuff. I love how you went into that in detail. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? It would actually line up with a lot of this. I tell people two things. Build your network, which has a lot of what we just talked about. If you're new to an area, and I'll tell you, the second thing is diversify wherever possible. That can be done a couple of ways. If I'm going to buy two properties, I like to be local because I'm in the business and I can touch and feel it. Another way to diversify is geographic. Buying three or four different locations, five locations across the country. I personally don't geographically diversify because I'm in the business and it's what I do every day anyway. It might as well be in my backyard. If I wasn't in the business, I'd buy in five markets just to hedge risk. Beyond that, I would say build your team. So when I go into a place, whether it's new or whether it's local, once you hit a vein, it's like mining a precious metal, like that air conditioning guy. It took me a long time of prospecting, 29 calls to the 30th guy is like, yep, you're not crazy. That is what the stuff costs. We totally admit that. We'll go do it for this. My next question is always great. Who else you got? And you'd be surprised. A good title agent or a good investment salesperson, realtor, they typically have a property manager like us. When you hire me, you're hiring my ecosystem. I just did all the work for you. I got a title guy that'll close for next to nothing. We got great salespeople. We got all that stuff. Even though they're not in our company, that's our ecosystem. You could start your vein of mining anywhere in that ecosystem. You just got to find one. So whatever you know the best, find one of those that you know is right, and then ask them who else they know because they're going to connect you to the rest of your ecosystem. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm all in. All right, let's do it. First quick word from our best ever partners. Do you need debt for your deal, equity for your deal, or maybe a loan guarantor to help you get qualified for the financing? Talk to Mark Belsky. His number is 212-897-9875. That's 212-897-9875. His email is mbelsky at Eastern. EQ.com. The Target Market Insights Podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at TargetMarketInsights.com. That's TargetMarketInsights.com. Best ever book you've recently read? I like Blue Ocean Strategy. That one has served me very well. Go where others are not. Best ever deal you've done? 
crazy tax deed investment. We actually foreclosed out the bank's second mortgage by uh, letting the tax deed foreclose on something we already owned. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? In that same deal, I did not title the repurchase of the asset in a new name. The bank came looking for the excess proceeds. I cost myself 50,000 bucks by not changing the name of something because I was too cheap to call my lawyer and spend 300 bucks to ask how to do it. <laughs> so I hit a grand slam. My partner and I at the time hit a grand slam and turned it into a double by not paying 300 bucks for, for some legal. Best ever way you like to give back. I love widows and orphans, and we are very heavy on a personal level into Compassion International. I think that's one of the greatest callings you can have. And how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on? Greatjones.co is our website, and also hello at greatjones.co is our email. I mean this sincerely. We are in the business of helping people. We've done this all over the place. If you have a question, you just want straight-up advice, I don't care if you're in Seattle if we have something we can offer you in terms of advice, we will give it to you. Well, enjoyed our conversation, that's for sure. And looking forward to seeing how Great Jones continues to do what you, you are doing. Learned a lot from you in terms of industry trends, as well as your approach for your business and in terms of the bulk pricing, or rather things you look for in vendors and how you understand the parts and the labor costs and then you reverse engineer that so fascinating conversation thanks again for being on the show hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon thanks Joe. the target market insights podcast is just that a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them the show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at targetmarketinsights.com. That's targetmarketinsights.com.